Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. Your host here, Zoltan, coming to you with the best Dynasty information. And today, doing something a little bit different. Three weeks into the season, it's time to take a look back at your startup rankings and look ahead in terms of what players are most valuable across the positional space. And there's no one who's better at navigating startups who I'd want more on this pod than Dynasty X Factor. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. Super excited for this edition of Dynasty Zoltan Podcast. You know, we love doing drafts. I think that's probably our favorite part of playing Dynasty. So it's fun to sometimes do it in the middle of the season. You and I have done a few week eight drafts in the past. Uh, week three something new for us. And I think we might have some overreactions coming your way. So without further ado, man, I think we should dive in. Yeah, let's get to it. And and we're only going to be drafting the top three rounds or so. I think there's been enough movement in the first three rounds. There's enough to talk about. Uh, X-Factor and I are going to go back and forth just drafting. You asked me an interesting question beforehand. Um, is this like talking about as if it were a normal market or as if it were just a league of you and I? Let's pretend this was drafting for a normal league. So I'm not going to wait on a player because I know you specifically don't like them and try to get Trevor Lawrence in the third round. So let's pretend like this is a normal draft and and go by our startup rankings and we'll we'll go through the top 36 or so. See, uh, see how long that takes us. D- do you want the first pick or the second pick? I want the first pick. All right, do it. Best quarterback, probably best player to ever live, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's pretty much a no-brainer. I have very little comment there. I think that what we've seen recently from Josh Allen and even Jalen Hurts, who's had a slightly slow start to the year, has just reaffirmed that Mahomes is the 101. To me, he's in a different tier. Do you agree with that? Than Josh Allen? And Jalen Hurts, yep. I don't have uh, Hurts on Allen's tier, but... Yes, I think that Patrick Mahomes, like Justin Jefferson for wide receivers, is just in a league of his own. Um, you know, this is the Josh Allen is putting up points partially because of what he does in the running game. What Patrick Mahomes is doing is just because he is the best player to ever grace the field. I mean, we are living in an, in, an, in an era of cyborg QBs, and then you know, you put Patrick Mahomes in there, and it's just like this is AI generation in real life. Yeah, and my favorite Mahomes stat is uh, over the last two years, Mahomes' worst fantasy game was 17 points, which basically makes you a low-end QB1. Um, He's just unbelievable on a different level. I don't think we need to discuss it too much more. So let's move on to my pick. I'm going to go Josh Allen. Uh, I agree he's not on the same tier as Mahomes, but to me, he is the clear next player. I think he's just a better player than Jalen Hurts. He's performed better than Jalen Hurts from a fantasy perspective. I think that's a pretty easy pick at number two. Yeah, uh, I think that in almost every draft, those are going to be one, two, unless if you get somebody going rogue. I know last year uh, before the season, somebody took Kyle Pitts with the one, 101 in one of my leagues. And yep. you know, sometimes something like that happens and you get lucky when you're sitting three and four. But in our draft here, it's uh, it's starting to get a little bit muddy. Uh, three is probably the pick that I'll always try and trade back out of. Um, I am not a person that has Jalen Hurts as their clear quarterback three. So I will take my guy who is my quarterback three at three. And that is Joe Burrow. 
Um, now I understand, you know, Joe Burrow's been banged up. He hasn't been himself this year, but he has the natural feel of the game. He drops balls in in the hands of his receivers like no other. And you know, he's got Jamar Chase for a long time. Yeah, I, I can't really argue there. I actually didn't have Burrow at my number three. Um Part of that is due to the fact that I don't think he's going to be excellent this season just because of the injury. I mean, we've seen that over the first three games, his yards per attempt is 4.7. That is third lowest in NFL history over quarterbacks first three games. Um, Obviously started really slow. T Higgins couldn't do anything last night. Uh, Jamar Chase finally had a bit of a blow up game. So I'm not worried about Joe Burrow for the long run. I did have him fourth on my board. And third on my board is going to be Jalen Hurts, who I'll take here at number four. Pretty easy pick for me at this point. Um, the rushing production is awesome. He's putting up rushing touchdowns every game with the tush push. Even if that gets illegalized, he just has two lockdown weapons. He adds, you know, 50-plus rushing yards a game. I think Jalen Hurts is pretty clearly uh, the QB3 or QB4 in my in my understanding. And to me, there's a pretty big tier drop off after the top four in a startup at this point. I agree with you, especially when it comes to the market value. You're just simply not going to get what you can get for Hertz, Burrow, uh, Allen, and Mahomes uh, with the other guys left. So. so I'm curious, talking about the gap between, let's say, the 104 and the 101. What would you need if you got the 101 in a startup, or we can talk about people's leagues nowadays. If you have Patrick Mahomes, how much are you asking for to move down to a guy like Burrow, Hertz, or Allen? I'd be asking... If I had Mahomes to go to Allen, you know, I no one's giving you a first for that, right? They're just going to take Allen. Um, I I would think that somebody might add a first to a Hertz and, or a Burrow to go to Mahomes, and frankly, I wouldn't move Mahomes for for less. I mean, what's the point of tacking on a couple of seconds when you're getting that much security um, and ceiling upside in Mahomes? So. I think it's one of those things where it kind of makes no sense for the buyer of Mahomes in that situation to spend that kind of equity and, and move up. But it also doesn't make sense for the Mahomes owner to take something less. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, you know, the ways that it could work, especially with this Burrow injury, if it continues to linger, maybe you're a rebuilding team, you trade Mahomes for Burrow in a first Maybe you just have a lot more depth than you thought you had coming into the season because you have, you know, Raheem Mostert or James Cook or Devon Chain, and you can flip one of them plus Joe Burrow to get Patrick Mahomes to consolidate a bit. But there's a reason we don't see a lot of these trades with two of the top five quarterbacks. No, and one thing I'd add there is that when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, um, cascading trades are probably your easiest way to get the, the largest return. You want, to move, you want to move down off of a player like that as slowly as possible. So let's say you are able to find a Joe Bur- Burrow owner who will add a first, and you can get Joe Burrow in that first, and you can then trade down from Joe Burrow to, let's say, a Kyler Murray and get Kyler Murray in the first. So now you have two firsts in Kyler Murray for Patrick Mahomes. And if you don't really want Kyler Murray, well, you keep trading down and keep adding to that pile of uh, draft capital and, 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 and at least get somebody – who has a floor that's high enough where you have somebody at that quarterback position, you're sitting pretty there, but you're ultimately maximizing your your value with all the additional pieces you're able to tack on from trade after trade. 
Yeah, that that's very well said. And the art of the cascading trade is a very important thing. It, it's one of the things I think about a lot where you mentioned if you don't like Kyler Murray, you can just get him basically as a placeholder of value. And that's something that I look at a ton where if I have a player I don't like and I can get a player who I think is more valuable or I can get a first round pick, which is the ultimate placeholder of value, I'm happy to do that because there are there are times where it's okay to hold on up to a player knowing that you can flip them. Just make sure to flip them fast because there was a trade I made right before week one where I acquired Najee Harris as a part of a bigger deal. Um, and I have never liked Najee Harris, but I figured, all right, he's worth a late first, early two. I'll just flip him. Wasn't able to flip him in time, and now I'm kind of stuck holding the bag there. I don't think we'll hear Najee Harris's name again as we're talking about top 36 picks. Um, but without further ado, I think you're on the clock at the 104 who you got, or 105 who you got. Before I make my 105 thing, I just want to say this. Najee Harris has looked very bad because of his offensive line. And then the second thing I'll say is his touches have gone up as the season has gone up. I'm very curious to see how Nachi Harris' season progresses. It's starting to look pretty bleak. Uh, his passing usage is not a, non-existent. Um, but, you know, he's one of those players where, you know, big value shift could come his way. If the volume ticks up, he starts racking up TVs. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. I, I, I also think we might be hitting a little bit of a uh, of a valley in Najee Harris's value, and it could rebound a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not as bad as people think he is. But anyways, with the 105, I'm going to take a surprise pick probably here for you, uh, and that is Sir Justin Jefferson. I don't mind it at all. I, I have Justin Jefferson at the 105 on my board as well. So I think that's a great pick. I got no arguments there. He is he, he's just the best wide receiver in the NFL. It's not close. I know some people had Jamar Chase in the same tier. I haven't had it that way for quite it's a while. Close. No, and it's it, it's, it's very obvious every time you watch. I mean, Justin Jefferson has not scored a touchdown yet this season, and I think he's a top three wide receiver, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's – I agree. That's a great hold up, hold up. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet? I don't think so. He's, I'll, I'll double-check that, but I don't think so. Like 27 points per game? Yeah. It's it's insane. So so Justin, Justin Jefferson, sorry, he scored one touchdown. Um, he has 27 catches this season. He's only scored one touchdown. Um, and he is still uh, has put up 26 points per game, uh, which is third among wide receivers. And his expected points per game uh, is at 20, 22. So he's still outpacing his expected points per game, despite only having one touchdown. Justin Jefferson's just a stud. You see Kirk Cousins comment about that play where uh, Justin Jefferson fumbled through the end zone. No, I didn't. What'd he say? He said, you know, they always teach you about ball security, but I go back and I think, uh, maybe if I just place that ball just a little bit better, and it's just like, come on, Kirk Cousins, that's just the mo- that's the most Midwestern thing I've ever heard in my life. That's that's just such a nice way to put that. By the way, Kirk Cousins is on pace for six thousand and ninety-one passing yards, uh, which is absolutely absurd. I don't think he's going to get there, but Cousins is throwing the ball all uh, over the yard. The wild thing is they're zero and three, and he's on that pace. I know, and the more that they keep losing, the more he's going to have to keep throwing. 
Um, I would like to go to my 106, and I feel bad already because I'm taking two attack of Iloa from you. He is the oh, 106 yes. in my startup rankings. That is a obvious giant increase. And I did some research on this to make sure, and I, I figured we were going to talk about Tua here. Um, over the last two seasons, if you look at games where players were healthy, so where they played a full amount of snaps for quarterbacks, Tua Tagovailoa is fourth in the in the NFL among quarterbacks in the, in uh, fantasy points per game. Uh, in in that time period, he's had 23 points per game. Justin Herbert's had 20. Joe Burrow's had 22. Trevor Lawrence has had 19. Dak has had 18. And then Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts are above him. Very interestingly, over that time, Tua Tagovailoa has had 29 or more points in 40% of his games. You compare that to Justin Herbert at 15%, Joe Burrow at 30%, Dak Prescott at 7%, Trevor Lawrence at 20%. Tua has the ceiling and it's based on a ridiculous offense that he's in. It's based on his superior processing, his great ball placement. He deserves a lot of credit. So does the weapons, but ultimately he's going to have this weapons at least for the next two years, if not longer, he's going to have Mike McDaniels probably for his entire career at this point. And we know the type of play caller that he is. The concussions are a potential problem, but we're seeing with Joe Burrow right now, that any quarterback can get injured. And Tua Tagovailoa had a lot of training in the offseason. He put on a lot of weight. He had all that practice falling down. Seems like it's paid off so far. And the good thing is he's such a good anticipator, he's not even getting hit anymore. So we have been on the Tua train for a while. You've been on it way harder than I have. We talked before the season how 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns was within Tua's range of outcomes. It's looking like that's where he's going to end up, at least so far. And yeah, I don't see a safer bet or a higher. uh, I don't see a combination of floor and ceiling on the board more so than Tua. And yes, I'm including Justin Herbert there. Yeah, man. I mean, like you have been a huge proponent of the whole sacks are a QB stat metric. Yeah. Back when Tua was uh, dealing with one of the worst offensive lines in um, NFL history two years ago. He put up one of the best sack avoidance statistics ever. Um, I'm just saying this. He, he's sharp as a tack. He's a natural. He understands where everybody is at all times. He, he has complete ownership of the offensive system. Uh, I agree with you, man. There is no physical attribute that Tua, Tua lacks. He has the best weapons in the game. He has the best offensive mind calling the shots. Um I think we're, we're witnessing uh, the, the beginning of a career of a future Hall of Famer, and it's wonderful to see. I am absolutely thrilled that you are on board to a train. Uh, I, I love the respect you're putting on his name. If you didn't take him here at the, the 106, he was going to be my pick at 107, um, but I will gladly uh, ha- have him be on your roster, um, given your your conversion to the uh, – to a non-society. Yeah, and, and I just want to throw out a few more stats there because he's been absolutely unreal this year. First off, he's got a 92 PFF rating. Obviously, that's absurd. There's only one other quarterback above 82. Uh, he is currently first in big-time throw rate. He is fourth in turnover-worthy plays. And my favorite one, he has the quickest time to throw of any quarterback in the NFL. And he has combined that 
with the fourth highest average depth of target of anyone in the NFL. So he is getting the ball out quickly, but he's throwing it down the field. And usually those two stats are pretty much inversely correlated. He's just playing on a different level right now, and he has the perfect system around him. We might look back in a year and think it was ridiculous that we both had two at six in our startup rankings, but I I haven't heard a compelling argument any other way because you look at the following guys and Lamar Jackson and Anthony Richardson aren't aren't playing as well as Tua and they have the rushing upside, but they haven't been scoring as many points as Tua. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, yeah, they might run for 20 or 30 yards a game, but they're not nearly as good passers at this point as Tua and they don't have the surrounding staff around them. So I'm pretty comfortable with Tua as my QB5. Yeah, I, I think you should be. And I think that there's actually a shot that he moves up as far as, as, far as QB2 this year. And I know that might sound crazy, but like, Look, what is Joe Burrow better at than Tua? I I have him on the same tier as Burrow. It's it, it's the it's the Allen and, and Hertz jump because those guys are putting up six, seven rushing points a game. So, so that's what that's this where is, it gets tough. This is what I'll say about Allen and 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 Hertz. Um, Hertz is not as good of a passer as Allen. No, but he but he rushes more. And at some point, you know, like you worry about injuries to running quarterbacks. Uh, you know, where does that factor in? Josh Allen, he hasn't been himself as a passer this year. You know, he's he's still Josh Allen. He's done this for so many years. But, you know, things change in the NFL. If, if Stephon Diggs ages out, start with Southby and Stephon Diggs that we know, and Allen kind of get, loses any confidence. I mean, and two is putting up the points that he's putting up every week. There's an argument to be made there. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, yeah, he doesn't run at all, but he's putting up three touchdowns every week. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, yeah, and it's it's a totally fair argument. I, I guess what I would say there is that um, Josh Allen over the last two years has put up 25.3 points a game. Jalen Hurts, 26.1. Tua's at 23. So that's they're still two and a half to three points better than Tua, but... I, I get where you're coming from, and there's an argument, again, let's put the concussion stuff on hold, that Tua's longevity based on his style of play is longer than a guy like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts because we know that quarterbacks stop running the ball once they reach age 29 or 30. I mean, look at Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. There's there's a whole plethora of examples. Steve Young, if you want to go back in the day. Uh, Steve McNair, if you want to go back in the day. So, Definitely Tua has a longer window, but Hertz and Allen are only 25 years old right now. So I yep. think that switch could happen uh, in 2026 when those guys are 27 or 28. But for now, I think Tua's ceiling is number four. But that's, again, that's that's a high ceiling. That That's pretty damn good. Well, I mean, it, it just also depends on how you will rank players, right? Because um, if you get a Tua share... Uh, barring any crazy injury or, or another concussion that is as extreme as the ones we've seen before, you know, you can expect him to be a, a prominent premier player for 10 years. And if you're worried about Jalen Hurts not being elite in three years, I mean, that is a dramatic longevity difference. And you really got to think about it. Are, is this one or two points per game now really worth the extra seven years of premier production? Like for me, I'd rather have that safety. Uh, but, you know, that's that's sort of like 
a philosophical decision you really need to make. I mean, a lot of people will take the position, well, you know, my roster is not going to look the same in three years. So if I can right. sell Jalen Hurts in two and he's still at this high level, you know, that's a better asset to have. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a matter of how you play the game. Yeah, you're right. And the thing with a guy like Hurts or Allen is you need to choose the right time to sell them because uh, what would be ideal is to get Hurts or Allen for the next two years, then flip them straight up for Tua. But Maybe you sell them a year late and you don't even have that opportunity anymore. Yeah. Um, anyways, let's move to pick seven. Uh, that was the uh, a nice long Tua conversation that I knew we were going to have. And I think, I think the listeners will benefit from it because the hype hasn't even gotten as high as I think it should be at this point. May, may um, I just say that they were expecting us to talk about it? No shit. I <laughs> mean, what else can we talk about? Oh, I mean... You- Really we could talk a, about Devon Atchain and Raheem Mostert, but we got to talk about Tua. Man, are you totally missing the joke here? Yes, I am. Uh, the two and nine oh, expect us. expect us. Yes, on, yes. Man. Okay, I got it. I got it a you're second taking, late. You're taking him six overall. You don't even know. Oh. Nah, nah. All right, yeah, 107, who you got? I, I'm taking Bijan, man. Um, I, I, you know, the rest of the quarterback crowd, it's intriguing here. But uh, I've seen enough from from Bijan to know that he is the next Saquon Barkley, the next uh, CMC. The volume will come. This guy is prolific. There is nobody close to him in the running back uh, category um, when it comes to just elite talent and age. He's super young. He's going to be dominant for the next five years. Uh, Wheels up for me on Bijan. I don't mind taking him there. I don't mind taking him there either just because he is the RB1 in a tier of his own. So if you want, it's I, – I'm I'm playing around with basically doing the hero RB or the punt RB strategy even in Dynasty. Um, and Bijan is the guy that you want as your hero running back to build around. So no real arguments there. Um, he's looked awesome. He, he has not scored a rushing touchdown yet. Um, I think he only had – what was it? Like 10 touches last week? Um, obviously Arthur Smith is a problem for the whole Falcons offense, but I got no doubts about Bijan. Well, Arthur Smith isn't going to be there very long. And I actually don't hate what the, the Falcons are doing with Algier right now, because, you know, Bijan's got to bulk up a bit. Uh, he's still, he's still a young guy entering the NFL and, uh, you know, he's got to bulk up if he's going to be uh, a top end goal line back. Um, so that will come and he's going to, naturally do that as he develops as an NFL player. I mean, this is just conditioning that he's going to go through. It might even happen this year during the season. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there is some some uh, growth that he can get. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, right now he's on pace for 220 carries and 96 targets. So he, he's doing fine from doing a user's fine. perspective. Yeah, um, 107. Uh, I'm taking Justin Herbert. I, I, I'm actually not struggling with this as much as that sigh would indicate. Uh, Justin Herbert has been everything we've wanted him to be in this Kellen Moore offense. He's had at least 23 points a game, all three weeks, averaging 28 this season. Um, overall, and by the way, all of these stats are six points per passing touchdown, negative three per interception, which is my preferred format. Um, I I think that Justin Herbert is one of the top five, six quarterbacks in the NFL. He adds a little bit of rushing. It's a little concerning seeing Mike Williams go down. Keenan Allen's getting old. Quentin Johnson's done nothing. 
but I just have a lot of faith in Justin Herbert, the player. Um, he is in the same tier potentially as the next guy on my list. I don't know. I'd have to think about it a little more, but to me, I'm very happy with Justin Herbert here uh, at the 108, actually. Yeah, you know, as much as I think people think I'm a Herbert hater, but I'm not. Like, I actually think he's a top-tier quarterback. Um, I just think that two is just better. Like, that's mm-hmm. my whole stick is like, hey, like, we got to put respect on two, and he's gotten so much bad, like, so much mud thrown at him over the course of the uh, the early part of his career that we just need to set the record straight that, you know, he is that guy. Um, but Herbert is too. I mean, Herbert is a cannon arm. Uh, he, he can see over the field. He's, he, he's pretty good at placing that ball too. So I actually uh, have no problems with Herbert at 108. He wouldn't be my pick. Uh, and my pick would have been uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. And, and before we get into Lamar, I want to say a quick thing about Herbert. I mentioned how uh, Tua had the lowest time to throw and the fourth highest average depth of target. Justin Herbert's very close to those numbers as well. He's throwing in under two and a half seconds, which is top 10. And his average depth of target is eight and a half, which is also top 10. So he's doing a similar job that that eight and a half a dot is also his career high. So he's looking good in this new offense. Tell me about Lamar. I mean, it just looks like he uh, is thriving now that he has weapons. You know, Zay Flowers is the real deal. Um, and then it's a hodgepodge of other guys that aren't great but are all good. Um, he's still got Mark Andrews. And the running game's still there with a, with a Munkin, and he's putting up those points. Um, I think Lamar's always been an underrated passer. And now that he has weapons, we're actually seeing, uh, you know, it come through. So, I love Lamar. You know the fantasy points are going to be there just simply because he's the best rushing quarterback in the game. Um, there is another quarterback that, uh, you know, is very high on my list um, that typically I have over Lamar. Uh, but given uh, the current market state, I cannot select him at this time and place. All right. So we got Lamar Jackson going at the 109. At the 110, I struggled with this a little bit, but I'm going to Trevor Lawrence. I know that he's been disappointing from a fantasy perspective so far this season. Uh, In his three games, he's averaging only 14 points a game. However, I think Lawrence has looked really well. He's graded out as the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Tua Tagovailoa so far this season. Uh, Last week, there were four drops in that game, including a Calvin Ridley 30-yard touchdown that was dropped. I like these new weapons. I still think that Trevor Lawrence has an incredibly high ceiling. So I, I'm going to take him here uh, with the knowledge that I'm probably doing a punt build at this point if I'm taking Lawrence in the top 10. If you're doing a, a punt build, my question is, like, why him? Like, there's there's better punt quarterbacks. Uh, like Kyler Murray? Yeah. Like, a, a guy who's... <laughs> Put up way more points per game and also will not accrue points for the foreseeable future. Uh, mostly the market. I got to be honest. It's I I have Kyler and Trevor Lawrence in the same tier, but the market has Trevor Lawrence significantly high, higher. And I don't see Kyler returning to that status until he proves it on the field. So and and there's the same argument that we were using when comparing like Jalen Hurts to Tua Tagovailoa, where I do think, I I know you're probably higher on Kyler as a thrower than me. I do think that Trevor Lawrence has longer longevity than a guy like Kyler does, especially coming off this injury. So 
Kyler is actually not even my next quarterback on the board, uh, who we might get to shortly, but I- I'm taking T-Law here. All right. So just about, uh, I guess we can talk about it now since since we've been discussing him, but um, if I, but it's not my selection. But um, I'm, I'm interested to hear why you think that, you know, there's a longevity risk with Kyler given the entry because it was a, number one, it was a non-contact injury. And number two, if you look at the statistics for quarterbacks generally, Kyler Murray has one of the lowest hard contact hit rates of all of them. And, you know, I've been preaching this for a very long time. Is he, he, he knows how to run. He's an extremely smart runner. And his background as a baseball player allows him to get down and just get away from people. So actually, I view Kyler as one of these runners that actually are pretty low risk when it comes comes to future injuries because he doesn't take these hits. And I mean, non-contact injuries, they're unfortunate, but they don't typically indicate that, you know, a player is going to have injuries in the future. Um, Yeah. I mean, the main reason would just be that Kyler, I mean, he is a good thrower, but he's never passed for over 4,000 yards in a season. He is heavily reliant on his rushing output, which, you know, he's, he's at the 500 or so yard mark the last few years. And he's going to be 27 next season and, and you're, you're buying him for next season. So I, I'm just a little concerned that he's going to have that three to four year window while a guy like Lawrence has a 10 year window. But I see your point. Like they're, they're in the same tier for me, especially if we look at uh, like 2024 off season rankings, they'll definitely be in the same tier for me. So I, I don't have a strong opposition to what you're saying. Okay. Well, just couching the fact that he hit 4,000 last year because he played in 14 games and not 17. But moving on to the next pick, the one Well, well the, just to say, he only had 2,300. Uh, oh, sorry, you're saying in 2021. You're right. He was on pace for 4,000 in 2021. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. The 109. Uh, I can't believe you're letting me see. 111. 111? We're already 111? Yep. That makes us even juicier. Uh, I am taking Jamar Chase with the 111. Um, you know, he is a tier below Justin Jefferson, but he still returns pretty much the same thing as Justin Jefferson in market. Uh, and he is that next guy up. So, uh, yep, Jamar Jefferson's my guy there. Jamar Chase, yeah, I, I got no Sorry. arguments there. Yeah, no worries. He 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 was he's at one eleven, one twelve on my board. Uh, I got no real arguments there. I just really feel the need to have one of these top quarterbacks because the market at quarterback is it gets bleak fast, right? After we've been talking about this all off season, but especially with Tua coming up and Daniel Jones going down, um, there's basically no quarterbacks that I like after the top four, 15, right? And then you're waiting all the way until Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. So I just need to make sure I get at least one of those top guys, um, which is why I, I took Trevor Lawrence over Jamar Chase. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I have a different take here on these quarterbacks, right? Like, I think there's the top four that, you know, you if you if you can get them, you get them, especially because of the trade value that they hold. Um, but these other quarterbacks, you know, we're seeing a lot of inconsistencies play out. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been great. Lamar Jackson, you'll get a, a boom game and then a dud. Um, so when I look at that and I, I look down the board, would I rather play pay a late second, early third and get a Dak Prescott 
whose market's depressed, but probably can produce as good or better than Trevor Lawrence for the next five years, who asked C.D. Lamb. Like, to me, that's a better investment if I can get a, 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 a Jamar Chase here. Because instead of getting, let's say, you know, like T. Higgins and, and Trevor Lawrence, now I'm looking at Jamar Chase and Dak. So... Yeah, it's just a difference of opinion. Like, I would rather have Trevor Lawrence and Devontae Smith over Jamar Chase and Dak. Um, Dak, by the way, barely made my top 36. Not to give anything away, we'll get there soon. Um, He's averaging 18 points over the last two years. He no longer runs the football. He's been over 29 points once in the last two years, um, which is about, uh, which is exactly 15 games for him so he just really doesn't have that upside anymore um and a lot of that comes from running the ball and he just hasn't been able to run the ball uh since his injury if you look at since he's come back from this acl injury um give me just one second since coming back from this acl injury he has been over 35 rushing yards once he has been over 25 rushing yards twice Um, and that's in 15 games. So he just doesn't, and he's only scored one rushing touchdown. So to me, if Dak is going to be a drop back and throw it, like, why is he better than Kirk Cousins? I, Uh, I just don't, I just don't know that he is like Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson. He has Jordan Addison. He's putting up more attempts per game. We already talked about, he's already got over 1100 yards. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think Dak's like that different. I would say this though, like if Kirk Cousins was not 35 years old, 36 years old and performing the way he's performing now, he would be a third round pick. Like he would be a second or third round pick. But the problem for, for Kirk Cousins is he didn't produce like this when he was in his late twenties, early thirties. And, you know, like he's kind of gotten overlooked because of that. He was a late bloomer. Um, it took him a couple stops before he hit his stride and now he's 30, 35, 36. And, and you look at a guy like that, it's like, well, like, do I trust him to continue doing this? Do I trust his team not to plan for the future? Like, will he have Justin Jefferson? moving forward? So like, there are a lot of question marks that come with a guy like Kirk Cousins that you don't have with a guy like that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would say that Kirk Cousins is either going to have Drake London or Debo Samuel next year, so it won't be all bad for him, but we'll uh, we'll get to that in the offseason. Um, yeah, which would be quite nice. At the 112, I have two guys very close to each other right here. Um, I'm going to take the guy that I know you're not going to pick, just to be nice. I'll, I'll leave Kyler for you. Uh, I'm taking Anthony Richardson here. Um I was impressed with what I saw. Sucks that he got injured. Uh, he had 10 carries in his first game. He looked pretty good. I, I'm feeling good that Anthony Richardson is a is starter in this league, at least for the next few years, and he's going to put up an absurd amount of points, which is going to maintain his value. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable taking Anthony Richardson here. I don't have much to add uh, until we get a larger sample size for him. Yeah, and, and Anthony Richardson is and has been all year my trigger for the Kyler Murray selection. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you were able to get him later. Like, you, you used to be able to get him in the late two, uh, sometimes even in the third round. Uh, but I have no problem taking him in the early second round. Um, you know, he would be up there with Lamar Jackson for me, if, uh, if not for this injury, which is suppressing his value. And for some reason, yeah, and, like... And- the general and just dynasty to, community hates Kyler. I, I don't understand it, but they do. 
um, he's going to shut them up quickly because the guy runs the ball like a like a like a beast, and he's got a cannon. Marquise Hollywood Brown's a good good weapon there. Rondell's not terrible, and they actually got a coach now that has a functioning brain. So like that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I'm not worried at all about Kyler. Uh, just to give a brief update, so we're, we're through 12 picks right now. To refresh, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hertz, Jefferson, Tua, Bijan, Herbert, Lamar, Lawrence, Chase, Richardson are the top 12. Uh, those are 12 of the top 13 guys on Keep Trade Cut, just if you want an idea of the of the market rankings. Uh, who are you taking with the first pick in the second round? Uh, I was just talking about him, Kyler. Yeah, he, he's the next guy on my board as well. I don't have a lot to add. Um, he's he's just been excellent. I, I think that I think that Kyler is the most undervalued player in fantasy. It's kind of been annoying because every time I say this guy's the most undervalued player in fantasy, I need to say other than Kyler because it's just so obvious. Um, <laughs> been buying a ton of him. Great for a tank. I've even been holding him on some teams I'm competing. Um, next pick, I am going to take another quarterback. And part of this has to do with the fact that I don't trust the later quarterbacks. I'm taking CJ Stroud here. Um, incredibly impressed with CJ Stroud. He has had arguably the best first three games of anyone in NFL history. Um, he's had the third most passing yards of any quarterback in their first three games. Um, again, on a Texans team, which coming into the season, everyone thought would be an absolute mess would not have a lot of weapons. He played last week without Laramie Tunsil, still looked good. Um, I think there's a lot more to see from C.J. Stroud. Uh, he is not a finished product, but a guy who's had 900 passing yards and no touchdowns in their first three games playing on a crappy team, like his floor is now Kirk Cousins. And we talked about how undervalued Kirk Cousins is. I would take a 22-year-old Kirk Cousins in the top 18 picks, right? So I- I'm taking Stroud here, and I'm pretty happy about it. Man, we are on the same page tonight because he was going to be my pick as well. And, you know, like, if I was to say there could be a quarterback uh, currently, you know, a prospect that could turn into the next two, it's it's C.J. Stroud. And it's because he is a, a, a great processor. Um, he's, he's a ball placement specialist. Um, the guy is just – he throws a beautiful ball. Uh, he could throw every single throw that there is to make. And, you know, people think of him as a, 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 a non-mobile quarterback, but they're wrong. I mean, he, he doesn't run by choice because he can throw so well. But he's got wheels, and he, when he has to get out of the pocket, like, he's not a guy that you're, you're worried about getting two or three yards to get that first down. Like, he can bolt up the field for 15 yards and get that first down. It might not help you from a fantasy perspective because he's not doing it a lot, but it actually – does because that extends drives, right? So he's throwing the ball. There's going to be more volume. And the, the fact that he's getting, you know, 40 plus attempts a game, it's not simply because like they're throwing every play. They got Damian Pierce that's pounding the rock. It's because he's extending these drives. And you can expect CJ Stroud to continue to do that because that's what good quarterbacks do. And also the Houston Texans, as as much as it seems like a horrible spot. It really isn't. I mean, they got a solid offensive line. Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary aren't anything special, but they're not like incapable running backs. Like they're, they're totally capable. And then, you know, he doesn't have premier weapons, but Nico Collins is solid. Robert w- Woods is a, a reliable veteran. Tank Dell looks like 
like he actually like can play in the NFL. So he's got real people around him that he can throw the rock to. Uh, he's got a line. He's got a competent offensive. Uh, uh, he's got a competent running back uh, room. And it, and I actually, I'm digging this this coach over there, Demarco Ryan. So um, I think C.J. Stroud is set up for for immediate success from a developmental standpoint, and we're going to see him really take off once they get him that number one weapon, who I am hoping and praying is his former receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. I got bad news for you. The Texans traded their first round pick for Will Anderson. Oh my God. Well, I know oh it sucks. Cause I've been thinking, exactly. I've been thinking the same thing. I'd love to see him with a true number one. I love Nico, but he's not, you know, a top 20 guy. I think, I think they're going to target either T Higgins or Brandon Ayuk, um, because the Bengals and Niners might not be able to pay those guys, but it would be nice if they could get Marvin Harrison. Um, all right, who's your pick at the 203? Well, now that you took my guy, let me just take a quick quick flip through what I got left here. Uh, I, well, actually, it's quite easy. Um, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, C. I figured. Lamb's my next guy up on the board. I actually, um, you know, I've been think, uh, contemplating flipping him in Chase. Um, and I decided to flip him back so C.D. is my wide receiver three again. Uh, and it, it, that came down to the quarterbacks. But when it comes to sheer talent, I think he's every bit of a, the receiver that uh, Jamar Chase is. He, he was a bit questionable with his hands coming out. Uh, it looks like that's been cleaned up. And we're really seeing the fundamentals of his route running sharpen. So I think he's going to become a premier route runner. He's got the body. He's got the, the, the natural instincts. Um, we're looking at, I think one of the uh, best players in the NFL uh, emerging to superstardom this season. Yeah, no, I, I I don't have a lot of arguments with that Lamb pick. I I actually do have two other players above him, but they're all in the same tier, so I I don't really have any arguments there. Um, my next guy is going to be someone in that tier of wide receivers. Um, I absolutely just love Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, over the last 25 games, he has only been below seven targets once. He is averaging over 11 targets in those games. You can just lock in seven or eight catches for 80 to 100 yards every week for Amon Ra. Absolutely love that consistency. I know we talked about him after that Chiefs-Lions opening game. Um, very happy to secure him in the early second. Um, as my wide receiver one. So back to you. Yeah, Amon Ra, is a, he's a freaking beast, man. Um, and Jared Goff looks good. Right? Yeah, so, he does. Um, yeah, back to me. The next guy I will take here. Whew. This is this part of the draft I really hate. It's a tough part of the draft. And that, that's something to note here is that so in, in the first uh, 14 picks, we took 11 quarterbacks, and it was Chase, Bijan, and Justin Jefferson who we didn't take. Now it's two wideouts in a row, but we're getting to the point where there are guys, there's no one here worth three first-round picks anymore. So that this is kind of a bit of a drop-off. No, but, you know, I, after looking it over, I think my pick is, uh, is decided, and I'm going with uh, – Sean Watson, who showed promise last week, um, 
you know, I, I was getting a little worried that maybe the uh, on-field chatter about his proclivities was uh, messing with his head, uh, or maybe he just lost a step. But, you know, he flashed his old self last week. You got to bet on that upside. He was a top-five quarterback, uh, three years running. His last three full seasons played. Um, so, you know, I'm betting on Deshaun Watson. He's got Elijah Moore. He's got Amari Cooper. He's got uh, DPJ there, uh, David Bell. You know, betting on Deshaun. He could be an elite quarterback. Yeah, I, I have Deshaun right there as well. Uh, I don't know if David Bell factored into my reasoning, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have Deshaun there as well. So so can't blame you. Uh, guy I have next, he's a guy who I have thought about putting at my wide receiver three in my dynasty rankings. Uh, he currently sits at wide receiver five, but in the same tier as CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown, and that is Chris Olave. Uh, who I have been unbelievably impressed with. He has the longest streak to start a career of 40 or more receiving yards in a game. Last year, uh, he was top five in target target per route run and air yard share. This year, he is again sixth in targets per route run, seventh in air yard share. And you look at the guys above him, it is Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and Puka Nakua, of course. Um, so it's, it's really all of the old studs. And then you got Chris Olave. I think he's the next guy up. Um, I just think the talent's incredible. And there are a few other wide receivers here, mainly Garrett Wilson, who I think has similar talent level, but Olave has somewhat of a quarterback situation, even though that's in question now. And he's one of the young wide receivers I'm looking to build around. I don't think his value is nearly as high as it should be. I've been able to get a lave for less than two late firsts recently. Um, those are the types of deals I would be hammering right now because we're going to look back at the end of the season and Alave is going to have 1500 yards, 10 touchdowns and going to be a top eight wide receiver at age 22. So 23 actually. So I I'm very in on Chris Alave. Yeah, I, I think that it's very smart to be all over Chris Olave. I, I don't have him far off. There's only one wide receiver that hasn't been mentioned that I have above him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the type of receiver that makes the game easy to play for a quarterback. I, I kind of think of Stefan Diggs when I think of Chris Olave. The guy who finds a soft spot, sits there, gets the ball. He's not going to be tremendous with uh, yards after the catch, but his average at the target is perfect. And he's getting the ball. He's securing the ball. It's he's getting volume because the guy, the, his quarterback knows he's going to do what it takes to get it. Like he's he's such a tremendous player. Uh, great pick, Mike. I love it. Um, and Derek Carr, underrated quarterback as always. So solid pick there. Uh, my pick is going to be the only receiver that I have above Chris Olave that has been mentioned. That's uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle led the league in yards per reception last year with 18.1. And, uh, you know, he hasn't – he didn't play week three, but in the first two games he had 20.5 yards per, per reception. Um, you know, he's the, he, he, he led the league in receptions – or uh, not led the league in receptions. He set the rookie reception record. He put up 1,315 yards – 50 yards in his second year opposite Tyreek Hill. And the thing that I always say is, you know, Jalen Waddle is the only wide receiver in the league that can take the Tyreek Hill skill set and apply it to his own game because he has the same physical attributes. He gets to play with this guy, practice with this guy, learn from this guy every day. And he's going to have 
Tua when Tyreek's gone. So, you know, talk about a guy who is seeding at a high level and his situation is guaranteed to improve. Uh, Jalen Waddle is a stud, man. Yeah, I, I have no arguments there. He He's right in that. Uh, he's a half tier down for me, honestly, just because Tyreek's all there. But even with Tyreek Hill in town, Jalen Waddle, he's ninth so far in yards per route run this season. I, I have no arguments there. Miami plays so much two wide receiver sets that they just funnel targets to Hill and Waddle. That There's enough to go around. Yeah, and I know exactly what your plan is, man. You're going to wait a year, maybe a year and a half, and you're going to be smashing the buy Waddle thing the second he has like a game or two out because you know what's around the corner with Hill, his yeah. potential retirement, and what's coming for Waddle in terms of his ascension to maybe a top, maybe the top receiver in the game. I don't know. I mean, it's possible with Tua. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. Uh this next pick is really close for me between two players, but I'm just going to keep the wide receiver run going and take Garrett Wilson. Um, he's incredibly talented. I, I I can't argue with Garrett Wilson's talent at all. He could be the third most talented wide receiver in the league. It's really unfortunate. This would have to basically be a punt build because Garrett Wilson just isn't going to be that effective this season, which, which really sucks, but... You can't be good with Zach Wilson at quarterback. That is not Garrett Wilson's fault. Um, if you look at uh, through the first three games of the season, his expected points per game is only 12, which is 39th in the league among wide receivers, just ahead of Josh Downs. So this is really a next-year pick. Um, what's interesting here is we've gotten to the point in the draft in the late second round where I'm comfortable taking just, taking Garrett Wilson because there aren't really any other like young studs left who I know are going to give me contribution this year and in the future. Um, there's a few who I could argue are going to do one or the other, but I don't think that there's any left who are top, top 10 guys this year and top 10 guys in 2027. So I'm taking Garrett Wilson here. I think he gets the automatic value boost. So I'm fine storing the value till next off season. Um, in reality, I would be trading down here as much as I could, but for this draft, I'm going Garrett Wilson. I, I have to say, I think that would be a terrible pick. Um, okay. Yeah, probably. And and it is simply because what we know will happen to Garrett Wilson's stock this year. Right? As you said, you cannot perform with Zach Wilson. No. It, it's impossible. This is nothing to do with – my take has nothing to do with Garrett Wilson and, and everything to do with what we know will happen to his market. When you see a guy whose rookie year, it was very, very promising, but it, I mean, it wasn't earth shattering. You go see year two and it's a dud. It's a dud. People will make excuses. There will be the Garrett Wilson cult that will like pump him up and will hold true. But like the, his, his market is going to go down. See, I, I, I actually don't think you're right. I think Zach Wilson is so bad and the hype on Garrett Wilson was so high entering this year. I don't see a way that Garrett Wilson is drafted below pick 20 next offseason. I mean, I don't think that he necessarily will. Um, actually, yeah, I actually do think that he will. I don't think that he will be picked in the, in the top two rounds next year. I, yeah. like, uh, I think that there will be enough distaste for what occurs this year. And then compile that with the shiny new toy thing. I mean, you might have... Uh, Egbuga, 
and Marvin Harrison come in and instantly be put above him. Um, and then there might be breakout guys this year that, you know, still are making their way through. I mean, we have differences of opinion on, on, on somebody like DK Metcalf, but he's performing at a very high level right now. And that's opposite JSN. Um, so, you know, there are players that may rise. There are going to be new guys that come in and there's going to be a lot of players that are going to, a lot of people that are going to be like, Hey man, it's now year three. We haven't seen it from Garrett Wilson. Like when's it coming? It's a big gamble if I'm going to go round two, take this guy who just, you know, he hasn't put the stats down. I, I totally get that. I think it's more about my lack of confidence in anyone following him, but I, 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 I didn't like the pick. I, I won't argue that. Well, all right. So, so we're up at the two Oh nine. Who you got? Yeah, this is a weird pick for me, but, um, you know, I got to stick with my guns here and take Jameer Gibbs. And I know that's uh, probably a bit shocking uh, because there's another running back on this board that I think probably is uh, consensus above Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe when that guy comes up, we can talk about why I have Gibbs over him. But needless to say, I am tremendously impressed with what Gibbs has done on the field, what he looks like. I think it's a matter of time before they start feeding him. They haven't even utilized him in the past game yet. So, like, in my opinion, it's coming. Now, it is a risk. I'll acknowledge that. We know what Dan Campbell did to DeAndre Swift. Um, I am very worried about that. But between, you know, the health, the potential, and the early looks at what he can do on the field in the NFL, very, very high engineer yeah, and I have Gibbs right in this range, so I'm not going to be the guy arguing it. It It's weird how they've used him. Week one, they slowly worked him in. That's cool. Week two, they gave him uh, nine targets, which is, okay, great. They're going to use him in the passing game role. And then without David Montgomery last week, they gave him 17 carries, which is awesome, but he only got two targets. So I still think they're figuring out how to use him. I don't know if Dan Campbell's going to be the coach who can actually unlock him. However, I still am impressed with how Jameer Gibbs has been this season, even though his rushing hasn't been that efficient at this point. Um, he still has eight broken tackles on the season. He still is averaging over three yards after contact per attempt, which is a very strong number. I'm not worried about Gibbs at all, and I, I don't mind him in this range. Thank you. However, I do have Brees Hall above Jameer Gibbs. Um, and I have him a tier above Jameer Gibbs when it comes to my running back rankings as well. Uh, I think that Hall is just a superior runner, and I think that they're equal receivers. And sometimes it's as simple as that. I look at this season, and I don't think Jameer Gibbs is going to outscore Brees Hall just because Gibbs has Montgomery there while Hall's situation is absolutely terrible. And if I'm looking at the long run, I think Jameer, I think Brees Hall has more of a path to being Christian McCaffrey, while I think Jameer Gibbs has a path to being Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, probably not, uh, not including their 18 touchdown seasons. So I'm going to take Brees Hall as who I think is the second best all around back in the game. Um, but I don't, I don't really blame you for taking Gibbs. Yeah. You know, I think that like Brees Hall can win me over. Um, and I, it's not really his fault that I don't have him above. It's, it sort of is and it isn't, but, um, you know, my take did you take Brees Hall with that pick, by the way? Yeah, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, so what I've seen from Brees Hall, it's undeniable that he has this breakaway play potential on virtually any play. I mean, how many times it's like Brees Hall gets the ball, he's gone for 80 yards. Like, oh, my God, like that, that was pretty cool. Brees Hall touched the ball. But that's not really what happens, right? Like he gets, he gets like two or three of these big plays, and then it's like a lot of a, one carry for back to the line of scrimmage. And yeah. so when I see a player that inconsistent on a touch-by-touch basis, it makes it hard for me to believe that it's these big games are sustainable. Because a lot of big plays, you know, like it's a lot of luck. And the difference between a 30-yard run and an 80-yard run ultimately comes to, down to defensive alignment a lot of the time. So, you know, Breesall had that tremendous first game and people, or people remembered as a tremendous first game really it was two really good plays and eight bad runs and he followed that up with two games where he did diddly squat so yeah. like and I, I go back to his rookie year every single big game he had it was two or three big plays and then doing diddly squat it's not like Christian McCaffrey where every single time he touches the ball you're popping off 10 15 yards like well I I I, I suppose so and I, I understand what you're saying but First of all, you can make a career out of having one big run a game, and you can certainly make a fantasy career that way. If you look at last season, he was above 4.9 yards per attempt um, in every game except for one. So he, he still is able to be efficient, um, yeah. understanding that he does rely on big plays to some extent. That's, that's totally fair, Mike. I mean, like to be honest, like you're not going to be an elite player if you can't make the big play. So like, he's got that check mark and like, it's clear that his ceiling is up there with Christian. McC- I'm not denying that his ceiling isn't unparalleled when it comes to running back position, save Bijan Robinson. Right. I, what I am, what I am I, saying I, is that I, I don't believe in him as a weekly stud until I see him produce on a play by play basis. That's consistent. That's fair. And uh, it's actually interesting because I, I know I said Christian McCaffrey. I think the comp for Brees Hall, especially when talking about big plays making up for a lot of mediocre plays, is Saquon Barkley. Uh, I see a lot of Saquon Barkley in Brees Hall's game. Saquon's a guy who would take a lot of chances, break off a bunch of big runs. I'm, I'm referring to the younger Saquon Barkley. Um, and then have a lot of runs where he lost yards or had no gain. And, you know, Saquon was incredible for fantasy and incredible for the Giants early in his career. So, Again, we're at a point in the draft where I'm a little uncomfortable with anyone I'm taking here. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going Hall here. I, I think Hall there is a tremendous pick. I think, you know, like between between Gibbs and Hall, it's like I didn't really know who to go with. I just had to go with my gut. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Who like, are you taking at the 211? <laughs> move the process along, Jacob. All right. Uh, <laughs> who am I taking here, Mike? Who am I taking here? It's tough, man. This is this is a really tough spot, and it's hard without knowing the rest of your team because now I'm really uncomfortable. Everyone here is either a complete win-now guy or pretty much a punt option. There's only one in the middle guy that I'm looking at, and I hope you don't take him. I think I have to take what I view as an in-the-middle guy, and that's Bryce Young. Ooh. You think he's going to contribute to winning on a fantasy team this year? Uh, this year? I thought we were doing the dynasty draft. No, we are, but I, I, I meant in the middle in terms of like 
producing now and in the future. Oh, I thought you said in the middle as in like, you know, not a lot of upside, but like, Oh no, no, no misunderstanding. Anyways, tell me about Bryce. He's just, he's the real deal. I mean, yeah, he's shown enough on the field to he's going to be in the league a long time. I like him. He's uh wait till he gets weapons. He'll be slinging that rock and yo, he's more mobile than people give him credit for. Yeah. I thought he's looked pretty good as well. I'm not worried about, you know, injury concerns are always going to be there. I'm not really worried about it at this point. Um, he was not the next guy on my board, but uh, it's tough because, as we talked about, the quarterback market breaks off really quickly. Um, next guy on my board who is going to be the last pick of this second round is Mark Andrews. Uh, to me, he is my tight end one. That has just been cemented even more with Kyle Pitts doing nothing this season. And he's the last, I guess there's one more, but kind of the last guy on the board who's going to give top three production for his position this year and long into the future. Um, I don't love the way that Andrews has been used this year. I honestly think the Ravens offense has looked bad with the introduction of Munkin. I still think they're trying to figure things out, but you can count on Mark Andrews to give you the production at the most scarce position. Uh, He's only 28 years old. I'm very, very happy. If I get one of the top four quarterbacks and then can follow that up with Mark Andrews in the second round, I have cemented two positions that are very hard to fill in dynasty. So I'm going Andrews there. And then I don't have to worry about whether I'm starting David Najoku or Pat Fryermuth every week. Nice. Nice. I like the pick. So let's go, let's go back over the second round real quick. We finished off the first round with Anthony Richardson. And then we've had Kylo Murray, CJ Stroud, CD lamb, ARSB, Deshaun Watson, Chris Alave, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, Bryce Young, and Mark Andrews. Who's next? Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Great the value man. of the century. And, you know, if I could go back and change my Bryce Young pick, I would have made it Jonathan Taylor. Totally didn't even realize he was still on my board. And, uh, you know, there was part of me when I was saying Jameer Gibbs' name that also uh, was feeling, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Because, in my opinion, the best running back under the age of 24 currently in the NFL is Jonathan Taylor. Now I'm, I'm taking Jameer Gibbs because of three years um, and the, the market value currently, but Jonathan Taylor is like, I, I, he's Nick Chubb who catches the ball. Like that is who he is. And, and when he comes back, that's what he's going to do, whether that's for the Colts or some, somebody else. And yeah, that man, I don't care what his contract situation is because wherever he goes, that guy's going to be an ox. Yep, and we're approaching week four. Uh, Jonathan Taylor can return after week four. I wouldn't be surprised to see him traded this week because if you want to play Jonathan Taylor in week five as an NFL team, you want him in the building now so he can start learning the playbook. Uh, There's been not a lot of noise on that, which I don't love, but I do love the Jonathan Taylor pick. I agree with he is completely undervalued. That's a great pick at the 301. 302, I'm going to take a guy who I usually wouldn't take in a startup draft because it locks in your build. But Christian McCaffrey is just the best running back in the NFL right now, uh, bar none. He can do it all. This season, he has been carrying the rock uh, like he really has never done in the past. Uh, I know that Kyle Shanahan hasn't really been happy with it, but he's the one who decides usage, so I don't really get it. But McCaffrey's played 80% of the snaps. He's run 72% of the routes for the team. Um, His expected fantasy points, as it always is, is ridiculously high. 
uh, 17.9 expected fantasy points. He's averaging 24 fantasy points because he's obviously just better than what any model would predict any human to be. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is an absolute stud. And while it does lock in your build, if you get Christian McCaffrey in the third round after getting, let's say, Mahomes or Josh Allen, and then at the end of the second getting Mark Andrews, assuming it's not a third round reversal, you're the favorite. Just, just dead stop. You're the favorite. Uh, and yep. you can even go young with your next few picks and afford to make up some of the youth that way by taking CMC. So I'm, I'm taking him here at the 302, and I'm pretty happy about it. I like the pick. Uh, I was also saying um, in the last 40, 49, 49ers game to, to my wife, he came on the screen. I was like, doesn't that guy look like the standard, you know, uh, AI generation when you, when you like create a player on Madden? Yeah. He, he, it's just he's like the, the most generic player. looking dude. Yeah. He's the creative player, uh, white skin profile guy yeah. that uh, he's one of the five options on any creative player on any video game, except it's he's so better weird. than any player you can create in a video game. Well, that's because when you create the player, you set everything to 99. Yep, exactly. Uh, who you got at the 303? I, I think we're pretty much done with the running backs in the top three rounds. There might be one or two more going that we'll get to, but who, who are you taking here? You know, um, this is going to be a, a bit of a shock, maybe. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm all in on DeAndre Swift. Oh! Oh, shit! At the 303! Oh, yeah, buddy. Okay, here, talk to me. You know, He's been he you know, last year he entered the season as my I think RB two overall. Yeah. Uh, and how long have I been counting the rock on talent over situation? And dude, he he has that role and it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Like what he's doing, he's got the best offensive line in the game, and every single time he touches the ball, it's nine yards catch. And they haven't even featured him in the past game. Yet. The guy is a freaking monster. He doesn't need touchdowns. He will get touchdowns. He's, he's had like three or four carries in the last two games where he brought it from the five to the one. Eventually, those are going to pop in. So, like, yeah, maybe he doesn't get that the run on the one-yard line, but he's going to get the ball when it's within the five. So the TDs will come. The passing game will come. And, bro, like, freaking crazy how good he's been. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Swift for redraft. A, a few concerns there. Number one would be, I don't know if the passing game is going to come just because Jalen Hurts never checks down. Um, I, I hope it does, though. Uh, my other concern would be his contract situation. He's a free agent after this year. We don't know what they're going to do with him. I hope they re-sign him, but they might just think that they can get anyone to produce behind that offensive line. And the third concern is that he basically split 50-50 with Kenneth Gainwell last week. He had 54% of the snaps, 42% of the rush attempts, and only 50% of the routes. Kenneth Gainwell had 46% of snaps, 37% rush attempts, and 40% of the routes. I know a lot of that occurred in the blowout, um, but even – Basically, they were doing two for one uh, for the first half of the game, which is is fine, but it's not quite the bell cow work we want. But I, I will say this. DeAndre Swift didn't come in the game in the last nine minutes. And that's yeah, because right. it, it, it was a blowout. And why are you going to bang up DeAndre Swift in a blowout when all you're trying to do is plot along until the clock? And I will say this. If the Eagles think that they can just plug anyone in there and uh, do the same thing, Kenny Gainwell is doing a pretty damn good job to show that they can't. 
because he's not been good. I mean, 14 right. carries for 43 yards. He, they, they brought him in on a third and one, get stuck. Brought him in on a fourth and one, get stuck. Kenny Gamewell is not good. And, like, he – and, yeah, I mean, he might pop off a, a 10-yard run here and there because the lanes are so freaking wide open. But, like, he's doing everything possible to say, hey, DeAndre Swift is that guy, put him in. Yeah, and DeAndre Swift this year has 3.5 yards before contact per attempt, which is obviously says a lot about his offensive line, but also his burst and vision because he has 15 forced missed tackles on only 45 rushes, which is an incredible rate. I, I'm not arguing DeAndre Swift's talent. I will say he was not on my board for this three-round draft. He would be a decent amount lower, but I see the argument, you know, we look at after the top, eight or so running backs and you get to guys like DeAndre Swift and James Cook and Devon Atchain pretty quickly. Um, maybe that's a discussion we'll have another day. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. DeAndre Swift has over 300 yards on the ground and he had one carry week one. He also is averaging close to, to seven yards per carry. Um, yeah. It's just what he is doing is insane. I think everybody can see the electricity when he's touching the ball this year. I mean, he is calm, angry. He's calm. He wants this. He's hungry. He's ready. Yeah. So the the next guy, the next two guys on my board, I can't take because I'm just too disgusted by them, um, unfortunately. <laughs> so, which isn't a great thing to hear early in the third round. So instead, I'm going to take A.J. Brown. Um, not a lot to say. We know who A.J. Brown is. Uh, it's unfortunate that he's only averaging 15 points a game so far this season, but he also has zero touchdowns despite having uh, 2.7 expected touchdowns. As I said, we know who AJ Brown is. He is an absolute beast. I don't think we need to expand on it. Uh, in, in the early third, I think he's he's a pretty good steal. Yeah, and I, I'm going to keep the boring tree going, uh, train going, and that's uh, I'm going to take Dak here. It's his time to come off the board. Give me that floor mid third. Happy with it. Yep. Not a lot to add there. I think we already touched on Dak Prescott a fair amount. Um, next up, I'm going to take... Oh, jeez. All right. I'm going to take Justin Fields. Um, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. I don't like it. But again, we talked about how fast quarterback drops off and... I've seen the upside. I was low on Justin Fields coming into the year. I was selling him all over the place. Now I am buying him. I bought him earlier today. I bought him and Amari Cooper for a late first and second round pick, um, meaning Justin Fields was valued basically below a first round pick. Uh, obviously, this would be an incredible reach given that. However, I still think Justin Fields has potential this is a tough situation. I honestly compare the situation in Chicago kind of similar to Trevor Lawrence's rookie season where there is just nothing good behind Justin Fields right now. Um, yeah, I think it's a longer conversation if we really want to get into the Justin Fields argument, but I think that the upside is worth it at this point because I look at who's who else is on my board. You got guys like Tyree Kill who's only got you know two, three years left. You have guys like Devonta Smith, who is he ever going to be a top six wideout? Maybe not. Jackson Smith, the Jigbo. We don't know what he is yet. And we know that Justin Fields has top five QB potential, and there is no other way to get that in a dynasty league, especially in a startup draft. So again, I don't feel good about it, but this is, this is where I'm comfortable taking Justin Fields. 
I mean, like, there's no arguments here for him having the most upside left of anybody on board. I just worry that, uh, you know, the wheels can come off that train real quick. Um, you know, this might be his last year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, it's been undeniable how pathetic he has been as a passer. Um, but, you know, he does have those physical traits. He's, he's a very, very good runner. Um, and it's only been three games this year. So it's one of those things, you know, we saw this last season with Justin Fields where he started off really poorly and then he turned the season around and all of a sudden he became uh, a first round pick. Um, so, you know, if you have that type of turnaround right now, uh, you cash. Um, I would say though, like if I had the choice to pick Justin Fields here or trade down or trade up, I would be trading up to get some more security or trading down to yeah, almost anything else. No, I agree with you. And and you're right. You're spot on talking about the beginning of the season last year uh, in the first six games of the season last year. Uh, he had 16, six, zero, 10, 17 and 18 fantasy points. Then he went on in the next few weeks to have 21, 30, 49, 42 and finish the season averaging over 20 points a game. So I don't know, hoping for a turnaround. It's a complete risk here. Um, I would only do this in a punt build where I, you know, can take a risk. And if I fail, at least I'm not competing anyways, but, uh, it, it's a tough pick here. Who, who are you taking at the three Oh seven? I'm taking DK, uh, you know, just continues to be a, a, a really, really solid receiver. I think people are worried about whether or not, uh, JSM will come in and, and take what's his. Um, and people are also worried about the inconsistency DK shown in the past, but, to me, this year, it looks like he is the bonafide wide receiver one of that offense, and I think that's just going to continue to cement itself as the season goes on. Plus, we got to remember, DK came into the league as a raw physical specimen, and like it's taken him some time to develop as a receiver, and there are things that we're seeing now that just show that he's becoming a more complete player. So I think the numbers are going to follow. I think there is, you know, uh, a, a, a little bit of a valley that had occurred with DK's uh, value this offseason. And the people who invested in him this past offseason are going to uh, see those dividends paid. Yeah, I I have, I don't know. I'm selling DK Metcalf pretty hard right now. I, I have really not liked the underlying metrics at all this season. He has a target per route run under 20%, which is pretty pathetic. Um, he's getting a lot of deep balls, but he's still not doing anything in the short game. He's not getting any of the manufactured touches. I'm, I'm a little worried about DK and the guy I'm taking, I think is just a better receiver with a lot of better peripherals. And I'm talking about Devonta Smith. I, mm. I think he's a more clean player. His route running is excellent. He's been able, so this, this I find really interesting. AJ Brown and Devonta Smith have combined for 77% of the Eagles air yards this season, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, they funnel to those two similar to the Dolphins do. I honestly don't see a huge reason to have Devonta Smith below Jalen Waddle and Garrett Wilson. Um, I do have him below them kind of like a half tier, but that's a downgrade I'm totally willing to make because I think Devonta Smith is, you talked about Stefan Diggs earlier. Devonta Smith is a guy who I comp to Stefan Diggs. I think he's already a top five route runner in the NFL. 
after guys like Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen and Stephon Diggs. So I'm happy taking Devonta Smith there. I, I understand what you're saying with DK Metcalf, but I think Smith has a higher floor and ceiling at this point. You know, I, I will say this. I was way, way too low on Devonta Smith. Um, I, I need to apologize for my takes, my previous takes on Devonta Smith. He is a tremendous route runner. He's a tremendous overall receiver. Um, I do have a bit of a size bias with him that is coming into play here because every yeah. single time he gets hit, I, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to die. Um, yeah. I fear for this man's life. That being said, it's undeniable. Like in terms of just sheer talent, you know, he won the Heisman for a reason. The guy's a stud. Yep. All right. Who's next? Next, uh, I'm going with TJ Hawkinson, who is my tight end one. Um, you know, I see no reason to have uh, Andrew Storm at this point. I mean, he's getting more consistent volume. He is a clear uh, uh, focal point of the Vikings' high pass volume offense. Um, and, you know, he's shown that he, he is a very solid receiver, both at the catch point and after the catch. I love Hawk. Uh, super young. Great situation. He's doing it week in, week out. Yeah, my issue with Hawkinson is I do feel it's all volume-based. He is even less efficient of a receiver this year than he was previously, and he's never been a very efficient receiver. I don't think he has the upside, and I do think that this is all based on the Vikings having a terrible running game, being behind in games with a terrible defense, and Kirk Cousins throwing the ball a lot, so... I mean, we've differed I, I, on. I'm so confused by that. W- which aspect? Like, Hawk, like that's not Hawkinson's game. He's a he's a chain mover. He's not he's not a guy that you're going to like a Kyle Pitts for efficiency. You're you're going to TJ Hawkinson because he's your safety net and he's Mister Reliable. I, I I get that he's 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 more he's more Zach Ertz than George Kittle, but right. my issue with but my issue with T.J. Hawkinson is he's not even that efficient. He's at a sixty-seven percent catch rate in his career, which is below average for tight ends. Um, he's not a guy who's going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's only got twenty touchdowns across his five seasons of his career. I I'm just. Listen, for redraft, I see an argument for him to be the tight end two over Kelsey. I mean, just behind Kelsey, I, he would be my tight end two in redraft. And it sounds weird to say that a 25-year-old I'm a higher on in redraft and dynasty, but I just have never believed in talent. And if he continues to prove me wrong, then then so be it. So he's currently... By the way, by the way to be clear, I did have TJ Hawkinson as my 312 in this draft. So we're not that far apart. Okay. I will just say, though, that uh, he's currently the tight end one. And a wise man used to say to me, if they're younger and scoring more than the older guy, why are you taking the older guy? And I know. this is nothing new for TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he's been consistently producing at a top five point per game tight end level uh, for the last three years now. And I believe he was tight end two or three last year. Um, yeah. So this I, this is nothing new for TJ, uh, but you know I hear you, I hear you, and you're yeah. Right. To me, it's I don't see the upside to have like an eighteen uh, fantasy point per game season, uh, but 
he definitely is going to be at the, I mean, maybe it happens this year if Kirk Cousins throws for throws for 6,000 yards, like he's on pace for. Uh, but if you look at TJ Hawkinson um, in the last three seasons, he's only gone over 80 yards twice. Um, again, he only is putting up basically a touchdown every four games. It's just not the type of upside that I necessarily want, but he's going to give you a whole lot more points than other guys who I'm considering in this range, um, Kyle Pitts. So I, I don't really blame you there, but instead of taking Kyle Pitts, I'm going to take a guy who will give you more points and more points than TJ Hawkinson, Tyree kill. Same argument as Christian McCaffrey. I don't have a whole lot to add. Obviously, it locks you into a win now build, but this guy's going to put up 2,000 yards a season. He probably, he might break the record. Him him and Jefferson are both going to go for it again, same as last year. Um, Tyree kills my pick here. I like that pick, man. I, he is the best receiver in the game. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams are better, like, "Quote unquote technical receivers than him, but in terms of their impact on the game, I think Tyreek Hill is the best. I, I don't agree with that. I think Tyreek Hill is the best technical receiver in the game. Maybe, maybe. I, I think there are things that Tyreek Hill can't do that Devonte Adams can do. I think you could ar- argue the reverse as well. Um, but Tyreek Hill in this offense, yeah, he's he's the best there. I actually don't think there's anything Devonte Adams can do that Tyreek Hill. Can do. Like, uh, how about ride a roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. All right. Who you got with your last pick of this draft? This is my last pick. Oh, God. You know, I want to take this guy, but I haven't liked what I've seen at all. All right. While you're thinking, I'm going to just list some of the players still on the board. Uh, I'm going by KTC ranking, which we all know kind of sucks, but during the season, it's better than uh, ADP. So the top guys on the board who haven't been picked yet, Travis Kelsey, Kenneth Walker, Stefan Diggs, Tony Pollard, Jordan Love. Oh my God. Uh, Jordan Addison, T Higgins, Jackson's with the Jigba, Travis Etienne. So I'll tell you, there's two guys I'm considering here. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's JSN and T Higgins. And I'm having a hard time with, choosing JSM, but that's who I want to go with. Um, so I'm just going to go with T. Higgins. And uh, the choice here is just because I actually believe T. Higgins is a, a really, really good receiver um, all around. He's shown that he has some elite traits. I mean, this guy can make that contested catch like no other. Um, and you know, if worst case scenario, he stays with the Bengals. He's locked in as uh, Joe Burrow's number two, and there's way worse situations in the world than that. He could still put up 1,200 with double digit TDs there. Um, so that's worst case. Best case is goes to a, a situation like maybe Houston becomes CJ Stroud's number one. That would be phenomenal. Um, so I'm going to bet on the talent and hope for a new situation and be content with the floor in his current situation. The reason yeah. I'm not going with JSN is I, I like you can only bet on potential so much before you say I can't throw away the bird in the hand. Yeah, and, and T. Higgins is going to give you points this season. Uh, Seventeen and a half expected points a game is tenth among wide receivers. Um, he has scored. Uh, there is the largest negative difference between his points per game and his expected points per game of any receiver in the NFL. 
here's a good trivia for you. There are two running backs above that. So these are running backs who have scored fewer points than expected to the highest degree. Um, who do you think those two are? Uh, we have not mentioned the name of either in this podcast. Josh Jacobs. Yep. He's number one. Great guess. Um, Najee Harris. It is Alexander Madison. Josh Jacobs insane he is averaging 12 points sorry 10 points per game his expected points per game is 18 um yeah, we uh sense. yeah it makes sense given his uh given his offensive hey, line hey, most I, notably i will say this um you know second half of week three you turn on the tape uh his legs got going it was actually really good to see um, and the difference was just the decision making at the at the uh, point where he hits the line. And for the longest time, he's been putting his hand on the back of his lineman and, and kind of just waiting and then just getting absorbed. Um, and now he's he started looking like the old Jacobs where he would slip through and bolt. Um, so I think that maybe some of that rust is uh, coming off, which uh, would be tremendous to see. It, it was getting a bit concerning. All right. That's good to hear. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, my last pick is between two players who I own a lot of, who I really love. Uh, it's tough. All right. I'll, I'll just tell you the, the four players I'm considering, uh, who, who I guess are the next four players on my board. Uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, I've been loving his output. I think he's looked great. He's been getting a lot more opportunities pat- catching the ball. Uh, 20% targets per route run. Um, he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. I do think Charbonnet is coming for him. So that's what holds me off Kenneth Walker. Travis Etienne, if you want to talk about early production and incredible usage, Etienne is one of the biggest bell cows in the NFL right now. 75% snap rate, 62% of the rushes. Um, but Trevor Lawrence never checks down. So I think his upside is capped. And we've also seen Tank Bigsby steal two touchdowns from him already. So that's what's holding me off Travis Etienne. JSN, we already talked about. So the guy I'm taking, and again, I hate it, is Kyle Pitts. Um, It's a punt build strategy. I just believe in the talent. I believe that Arthur Smith's not going to be there very long. Drake London, by the way, is also in the same tier for me. A lot of the same methodology, except Kyle Pitts is at a premium position. So at the end of the third round, I am pretty thrilled to take Kyle Pitts, just knowing that I also will have to draft Tyler Higby in the 16th round or whatever to start him for the rest of the year. Uh, a couple questions for you on, on that. Um, do you have Kyle Pitts over Hawkinson? Let me pull up my latest rankings. Um, I do. Yep. Okay. I, I mean, that's fine. Um, do you think Tank Bigsby or Zach Charbonnet is a bigger problem? Zach Charbonnet, for sure. Okay. Like, I am very confident in Zach Charbonnet. And then my last question is... What do you think? I think Zach Charbonnet is going to take the job. Um, and it's not... It's not. I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to take it. It's He's going to take it. It's, I don't it, think he's going to take it, but I think he's definitely going to eat into it. It's it's Pete Carroll. Uh, Pete Carroll wants a bell cow, and Pete Carroll yeah. likes a running back that smashes people. And so, I don't know if you saw uh, he didn't score a I touchdown, did, yeah. play, but he just like completely trucked the guy. And that's what that's honestly why Chris Carson was the starting running back over Rashad Penny for all those years. He wants 
a guy like once once Zach Sharp like I think Kenneth Walker is a better player than Zach Charbonnet. But once Zach Charbonnet got drafted, I was like, if Zach Charbonnet is a capable NFL player, this is a freaking problem. And you're yeah, starting to see I, Kenneth Walker's snap share and touch count go down. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I do think it's a problem. Um, I've compared it all offseason to the Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Tony Pollard situation. And I everything I've seen in the first few weeks has just reaffirmed that. Uh, this past week, Kenneth Walker only played 49% of the snaps compared to Charbonnet's 44%. Uh, that was by far a season low. And then for, for Etienne, uh, actually, like, I think he's way better than Bigsby, and I think that uh, the Jets are starting to figure that out because Bigsby yeah. hasn't really done that well with his limited opportunities. The 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 drop off thing that you're you're talking about warrants, I see it, but at the same time, that's a maturity thing to me. I don't think that that's going to be forever. I think it's really like Warrants needs to be a better decision maker and know what's there, and what's not there, and when to just get the ball down and get positive yards, and the hope for Etienne is that that happens before he's 26. If that can happen this year and next year, that maturation of Trevor Lawrence, you can see a real explosion from him. If it does happen later, it's going to be like, shit, like he's too old to buy. All right. So let's review the third round. And then I got a few real quick questions for you before we sign off. So we ended the second round with Bryce Young and Mark Andrews. And then we've had, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Brown, Dak Prescott, Justin Fields, D.K. Metcalf, Devonta Smith, T.J. Hawkinson, Tyree Kill, T. Higgins, and Kyle Pitts. So my few questions for you. Number one, what is the worst pick in this draft? For me, uh, I think it's got to be, you know, Justin Fields, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's too much risk it, at this point. Um, it's not a bad pick, right? Because it, it's clear that somebody has to take him in that range to shoot for the upside. He's not going to fall farther. Uh, but I just feel super queasy when I think of, hey, I might spend a third round pick on nothing. You know, I get it. Round. I get it. All right. Uh, what was your favorite pick and or who do you think is the best value in this top three rounds? Um, my my favorite pick was Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that uh, was a great one. Love that yeah, one. I think that you know he's got no business sliding past the mid second round, but that's yeah, Mark is at. Especially because we know, I mean, we think he's going to be coming back in just another week now. Okay, my final pick for you. We know the top guy not drafted on your board is Jackson Smith at Jigba, but. Who is the top quarterback and running back that has not been drafted so far? Because those are the two positions that I feel like have interesting drop-offs at this point. Quarterback. So to go over, all 15 of the top quarterbacks were taken. So that ended with, you know, Bryce Young and Dak Prescott uh, with the last quarterbacks taken. So some of the next guys, Daniel Jones, Jordan Love, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy. Who's your next quarterback? My lord. Um, it's well, tough. It, it's This pick is not that tough for me. It's Daniel Jones, and there's a few reasons. Like, yeah, he looked like a pumpkin against the uh, uh, the Cowboys. Um, but Daniel Jones has got this massive contract. He's going to be there for a while. We have to realize he's still working without weapons. So, like, hopefully it gets better when they acquire somebody. 
and and Daniel Jones, he he runs, and he is an accurate passer. Um, you're gonna have some duds because the Giants just aren't a good team. Um, but Daniel Jones isn't a bad player, so I'm going with the young guy with the contract with the uh, clear NFL traits. Got it. And then my next running back on the board is Kenneth Walker. Yours, I assume, is Saquon Barkley. No, uh, this is tough. Um, I think that it it is probably is it Jacobs? It, 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 I have Jacobs above Barkley. My debate is between uh, my debate is really between Jacobs and Javante. Yeah. Um, and you know Javante doesn't look as good as he did. He's been years, he's been he's bad been this year. He's been bad. He hasn't been bad. He's not been himself. Yeah, uh, I I think I think he returned so quickly. Everyone assumed that meant he would return to form, but he does not look like the Javante that we know and love. No, but the thing is, is like when I when I'm measuring Javante, it's almost like I. I need a lower bar to be hit just so I know that he's on track because yeah. it's a two-year recovery. And currently, he looks better than J.K. Dobbins did when J.K. Dobbins came back and did some treat, just in terms of just like contact bounce and um, just overall pace. So I think that that will come. I think it's probably – it's prop. It's tough. It's probably Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and Javante and Josh Jacobs are two of the bottom three for PFF rush grade out of any running back who's had at least 30 carries. Uh, last in that stat is Miles Sanders, who is the worst running back. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> la- last question. I know we're going real long here, but one more question. Where does James Cook start factoring in? Is he a fifth-round pick for you? I mean, like, James Cook would be in this conversation as well for me. Right? Yeah, like, I, I was wondering when you'd mention him. Um, so, like, I probably have James Cook on par with the guys we're discussing now. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason not to, right? He's getting 20 touches a game, and he's going to be using the pass. So, like, even if James Cook doesn't get goal line touches, which he will, by the way, like, people need to realize he's already getting red zone touches. It's more of a rotation-based thing. Um, it just happens to be the case that the touchdowns that have been scored hadn't been when he has had them all. It will happen. Um, and it also will happen for other reasons as, as uh, you know, he's the clear-cut best back there. So I think, I think he's probably sitting in the fifth round, late fourth, until we see the TDs come. Uh, yep. But I can't justify taking, you know, any of the old guys like Eckler over him. I can't. I'm not taking Henry or Najee. I'm not taking Najee. No, I I think James Cook. And so in the latest version of my rankings, which was uh, released before Week Three, I had James Cook at 14. Um, and nine through 13 were Javante, Saquon, Eckler, Ramondre, Jacobs, and then James Cook. 
Um, I'm probably my 14, 15, 16 were Cook, Swift, and at chain. I'm probably moving all three of those guys up, definitely in the same tier as the other guys, maybe above them, but I think there's a pretty uh pretty solid group there uh where there's a lot of room to grow up or down. You know what, Mike? I'm I'm changing my answer. My next back is actually it's Saquon. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, he you know, last year it looked like Jacobs was the better player, but this year Saquon does and Jacobs is in a pretty brutal situation right now. So like there's a lot of risk this year and we're talking about backs that aren't spring chickens. At least we know Barkley's gonna get that volume and looks good right now. Yep. Um, makes a lot of sense. So All right. question for you, buddy. Yeah, bring it. Achan. Achan. Devon Achan. Any question or just what do you like about him the most? Um so I'm going to ignore the, you know, speed and physical traits. I like his decision making the most. I think he is incredibly good at knowing when he should bounce it outside and when he should take the yards given to him. We saw at Texas A&M, he was getting 18 to 20 carries a game. And that's because he has the ability to get three yards when three yards are all that he needs. And that's why I've long felt that he can be a back who gets 15 plus carries a week. Um, I think his success rate is going to be incredibly high in the NFL. I think his big playability is going to be incredibly high in the NFL. I like Atchain a lot. I think there's a lot of room to grow for him. I am uh, also a fan now. Um, though I, I will reserve my rights until next week when we do not see a team that can give up a 60-yard run to Chris Brooks. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a sadder display of defense. But. No, that was – I mean, the only thing sadder than that is the Broncos complaining about the Dolphins running up the score. They literally just ran uh, running back up the middle for the entire second half, and the Broncos couldn't like, stop them. I well, don't know they're what they're gonna, supposed to do. They literally were laying on the ground saying, please score, please score. Yeah. I, I, like, I, it's tough because, like, you know, you see a 200-yard performance by – a rookie and you're like, wow, like it's pretty damn hard to do that in the NFL. And then you look at like what the game was and you're like, damn, like if you didn't have 200 yards, should we be concerned here? Like, <laughs> like why didn't you get 300? <laughs> um, so because, because you brought it up, I'm going to just give a few Devon Atchain stats to finish the pod real quick. Uh, he's the follow he set the following NFL records for a player in one of their first three career games, rushing yards, yards per carry touchdowns and PPR points. And of not, and he became the 10th player since 2015 with a 50 plus PPR game. The other eight guys were Tyree kill, Alvin Kamara, Jamar chase, Joe Mixon, Will Fuller, Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Lockett, Lavian bell and Julio Jones. Seven of those nine had at least one top three season Eight of them had at least one top 12 season. Uh, Will Fuller is the only exception there, and they combined for 17 top five seasons. So it's just one game, but Devon Achain or Achan Achan finds himself in some very good company. Yeah, no, I mean, he completely blew everybody away last week. Um, I'm I'm definitely I might interest I I personally was uh, pretty excited about his you know 
I'll call it the pounce position in and out of this cut where you know when yep. a player gets in the right position where they can just jolt off the cut point. And it's it's a rare trait. It has a lot to do with players just core and their balance. And um, you know, when a player can do that, you can really uh, navigate almost any situation. And those that's what you look for when you see if can, can a player play between the tackles? Or can can you can you change directions on it? in a flash it's it's something i've loved about josh jacobs um so if actually with his speed has that ability uh, these big plays aren't going to stop especially when these running lanes are as big as they are uh given everything else going on in miami and from yeah. the looks of it it seems like mcdaniel uh has a lot of different ways to use him and um it's not going to take away from any other weapons it's just going to be a natural component of the offense it's nothing forced um so if it's going to be that organic usage uh that will be uh you know a very interesting fantasy piece to see i i'm i'm very curious to to um see what what what's in store next week against buffalo whether they go back to most uh, most arabs the um as the lead guy um, or if Atchan becomes a real, uh, you know, prominent piece of that offense. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I mean, I, as I said, I had him at RB16 before this last game, which is pretty much as high as I think anyone would have logically had him at this point. He's definitely moving up into the top 12 for me. And if you can buy him for a playoff first, I would highly recommend doing so. Yeah, you know, I'll just say this as uh, the person who probably um, – gave the most shit to uh, Achan over the offseason. You know, I was clearly wrong on just pure uh, pure talent. Like, it, it's so, playing so, at the NFL so you level. Admit he's more, you admit he's more than a punt returner? Uh, he is more than a punt returner. He's a, he's, he's a weapon, man. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's really going to come down to um, his usage. And then I also want to see him uh, and see if he can – display strength um, or at least the ability to continue to elude defenders against a legitimate defense. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't, not every running back has to be a, a strong running back. James Cook certainly isn't, but yeah. you have to be able to either be strong or run away from people, um, one or the other. And, you know, he's got the speed to do it. Does he have the decision-making chops? Is he making the cuts the right way? We can't really assess that against the Broncos. We no, it, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty obvious where to run against the Broncos. Um, all right, dude, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. Uh, to all the listeners, of course, you can find all my rankings, which will be updated after this next week. Uh, if you subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash dynasty Zoltan. Also very exciting to announce that I am in the works for a website. Uh, I have been building it over the last few weeks. It'll be coming out after my wedding. So sometime in late October. And uh, thank you again for joining me, Dynasty X Factor. Pumped to uh, see you in Scottsdale uh, for for the said wedding pretty soon. Looking forward to it, man. We'll make sure you get it over that line. Uh, Hope you've been working uh, working on the speech. Uh, I have, actually. I was working on it last night. Nice. Sounds good. Uh, Hopefully no James Cook's mentioned there, but uh, remains to be seen. All right. Thanks for joining me, man. All right, buddy. Love you. Bye.